שלום, אני רונן דר, co-founder and CTO of OneAI. אנחנו בפודקאסט של ה-MLOps Community. איזה כיף להיות פה. Let's get started. I want to know about your coffee drinking habits. Do you drink coffee? I drink bad, strong, only black drip coffee. That oh. is what I drink. <laughs> So oh, that is this no oh, that's so and bad. I drink too much oh. of it <laughs> dude I'm like the opposite end of the spectrum here I drink coffee very rarely basically whenever I'm traveling and I like to go to those places where it's like the hipster place where the barista uh-huh. you look at them and they've got just random tattoos all over the place oh, no, no most of them are pretty like ugly sketches and you look at that person and you go uh eh. They're probably really into coffee, and I order flat whites with oat milk or almond milk. Not for so me. If we could, yeah, if we could have two ends of the coffee drinking spectrum, oh, yeah. diametrically opposed, we've got it right here. It's amazing we get along. Somehow, somehow. So today we talked with Ronan and Heispa. Uh, hopefully I'm saying that name right. from run AI what do you think of the conversation I thought it was a phenomenal conversation run AI is building a really cool product that basically helps with virtualization and resource utilization of GPUs and my mm-hmm. favorite part of the conversation was hearing from uh, Ronan why they wanted to build this product and what uh, it enables in terms of a A future where GPUs and computationally intensive workloads around machine learning are as easy to deploy, run, and, and sort of engineer around as the day-to-day computational tasks we do on our CPU. Hmm. And I thought that that was so cool to hear about the whole big picture vision of that, and I think everyone listening will really enjoy it. What was your favorite? Yeah. Bringing, I mean, it's interesting you talk about that, like bringing the same ease of use to GPUs as CPUs. There's a cool thread in Slack right now that is happening from a blog post that Run.AI wrote on our MLOps community blog that talked about when to use GPUs, when to use CPUs, and what the trade-offs, downfalls are of each. And that's got a lot of traction. There's a great conversation that's happening. I encourage everyone to check that out also. My huge takeaway from this was when a light bulb went off when Ronan was talking about how He wants run AI or he sees run AI the vision to be the operating system for your GPUs and just like you have the operating system for your computer that you sit at home with probably uh, or wherever at work wherever you hang out on the computer and you have your operating system there he's got this idea and this vision for run AI to be the operating system for your GPUs and you Then I also like just getting into the nitty-gritty of Kubernetes and having him tell us like what some of those challenges were when you're trying to scale things on Kubernetes how that looks like there's so much cool stuff that he talked about he's so smart and to be able to get to talk with him and like here why isn't Amazon just doing this why is this right. a hard problem to tackle I loved his answers and his reason for that yeah so thank you so much to Ronan and Heispert from uh From Run AI joining us, Ronan is their chief scientist. Kai Spirit is a technical product marketing manager. Anything else you got to say there, Demetrius? I'm just still in shock that you like pot coffee. That's like... Dude, I don't just like pot coffee. 
I love pot coffee. <laughs> I wake up in the no morning way. for pot coffee for 16 ounces. Dude, oh, that's so that's so <laughs> wild. Uh, this is a coffee session, and we actually talk about coffee. So for all those naysayers that give us feedback and they say you call it coffee sessions but there's no coffee here you go this is our coffee session right here let's get into this conversation with run ai and a quick tidbit run ai did sponsor this episode so if you would like to check out more of their product and all the awesome stuff they are doing you can find everything you need to know about them in the link below and that's it let's talk with heispan ronan heis ronan Thank you guys for joining us. Did I uh, get that right, Heis? Very, very close. <laughs> Awfully, very good close. Yes. You know, I think that that's like, uh, that should have been my yearbook quote. It should be on my gravestone. Awfully close at anything he attempted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we're not here to make jokes about me. We're here to talk about Run AI, how you guys think ML should be built, productionized, what some of the principles are that you've used to create your product. Let's start, Ronan. Can you talk to us about what Run AI's product is and what the different components are that companies can use? Yeah, would love to do that. Um, so let yeah. So maybe let's start with you know when when we started Run AI, right? So we started Run AI um, four years ago, early twenty eighteen. Um, and we started Run AI where we saw that, you know, there is a, a, a gap. We recognized a gap in the, the stack, in the software stack, uh, in the AI space, right? We saw that, from, that there is a new, a new kind of, uh, of uh, a new field with the new workloads and workloads with new requirements, right? AI workloads, right? Training models. Uh, building and training models and then moving them to production. So we saw, we saw that there is a, this new type of, of a way of, you know, of creating software and, and, and running workloads. So workloads with new needs. It's not, you know, microservices running on commodity CPUs. It's AI workloads, compute, very compute intensive workloads. So we saw new field with new requirements. And we also saw from the other side that there is this new requirement for compute, a new compute coming in. Right, so if we're going back to the you know to the ImageNet moment in 2013, you know the uh, the GPUs that enabled this new this all these breakthroughs in deep learning, and you know in NLP and, and computer vision, all this new amazing stuff that you can do um, uh, with the, with neural networks. So it was enabled very much by those GPUs, which were new in the game for many people. Right, so you have this new workloads from one one hand, right, with new requirements, and then you're getting this new compute, which is really, really important uh, for for deep learning, for developing, for new models, right, creating those new break, breakthroughs. And we saw that there is this gap between, between what's needed for AI and what the software stack can provide, the software stack that runs on GPUs, on, on that new hardware. So we came to that uh, to, to that place. We saw that there, there's new new compo uh, components, software components that are really missing. And we started there and, and we've built um, what we call an operating system for AI, right? A software layer that runs on, on top of GPUs. Uh, we're really uh, uh, we're really attached to Kubernetes and to cloud native technologies, 
and we bring to the game a new software layer that enables much better use of the GPUs for uh, a compute for AI. So we bring a new software layer that provides much simpler access to GPUs to that new compute, enabling very efficient sharing of GPUs. And we can, we'll get into the details of that, but uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, components that we've built really attached to Kubernetes and cloud native, and we can expand you know, on what we're bringing to the game and how we help organizations really make better use of their GPUs, their compute for AI. I really like that description, an operating system, a whole AI stack as the way I, I see it described, built on top of GPUs. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because in the past few years, it honestly has felt like the enthusiasm for the use of GPUs has not kept up with the engineering around GPUs, right? And it's just, you know, everyone wants to use them. Everyone's going to Google Collab and, and you know, buying stuff on, on the, the NVIDIA website every time that, you know, they want to try mine Bitcoins and stuff. But there's not a lot of engineering around it um, in a way that isn't just, hey, AWS saying, let's just throw on, you know, an ability to add a GPU instance and, and not as much sort of thoughtful engineering around um, the use cases, which leads me to my question. Heis, can you tell us about what kind of companies come to you right now and are saying, wow, the Run AI platform, the entire suite of software tools you've built around GPUs really makes sense for our needs? What kind of companies are those and what problems are you solving for them? Oh, great question. So there are many different types of organizations in I'm many sure. different stages of of where they are but let's i mean you you mentioned use cases that's it i think that's that's a great one um i think and i'll 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 talk a lot about a couple of use cases uh one of them is the organization with a team of data scientists uh, we all know gpus are limited in availability they're expensive so they want to efficiently share their GPU resources across or, or amongst the different data science, uh, data scientists that they have, the different teams they have. And I want to do that in a very efficient way without, um, let's say, bothering the, the data scientists with all these infrastructure and Kubernetes complexities, right? They, they basically want to share GPUs efficiently across a team of data scientists. That's, that's one use case. Right, really getting the most out of the GPUs. Uh, we we sometimes say extreme utilization, but uh, I, I what I'd like to say is we hate to see idle GPUs because that's that's a very expensive GPU, an idle GPU. So we want GPUs to be effective. The other one is where organizations, larger organizations, have different AI teams across their organization, maybe multiple business units with different uh, AI teams. They've all started to invest in infrastructure to support those AI initiatives, but they're not getting the most out of it. Um, we, we refer to that as shadow AI, um, right? B basically AI that's out of the scope of the IT organization. Um, um, it's, it's hard to manage because all kinds of different clusters and different types of, of hardware out there. So what we really help them do is um, centralize all those compute resources and letting them really efficiently, again, share all of those resources across different um, teams, different business units, and 
really allow IT to deliver that as a service to the data science teams. Again, removing a lot of the complexity and, and overhead from those data science and AI teams and moving them into the IT organization, um, making sure that data scientists just focus on data, building models, training them in a very, very efficient way. Um, an another use case is where organizations have already started to build and train their models and they know how GPUs work, but now it's like the next step. And, and I'm pretty sure this is a very passionate mm -hmm. subject for Ronen, so he, he might jump in here, but that's the, the, the inference piece of it, right? Taking them into production. I now have multiple models I need to take into production. How? How am I going to do it? And how, how am I going to do that in a very, very efficient way? Like you said, it's very easy to pull your credit card and get GPU resources from a cloud. But am I doing that? Is that efficient? Does that make sense? Is like cost um, value, is, is that aligned? Um, so there's many challenges there, really taking those, those resources and taking those models and taking them into production. So that's actually, so we, we already discussed, we're, we're all the way from an organization that just has a team of data scientists to an organization that has multiple teams of data scientists. And the other one is, is really taking those models into production. So there's, there's multiple stages of an or where an organization is in the value we bring is again, making sure those resources are available to the right people in a very, very easy way. Got it. I see that sort of maturity level that you're describing with GPU utilization, abstraction of infrastructure, the same things that we see in cloud you're bringing to with GPUs. But I'm curious, and, and maybe I'm just teeing this up for you, Ronan, because I'm thinking back to your background, the fact that you were an academic before starting this company. Why is this problem hard? Why is this not something that you know, Amazon or Google or, or Microsoft has just said like, oh, cool, this is just our latest service. Why is this something that it takes your team to build? Oh, amazing question. <laughs> so <laughs> so think, think of, on what has been done in the CPU world in terms of the software stack that runs on CPUs, right? In the last 20, 30 years, there was so much, so much work done on on virtualizing CPUs, on, on you know, on, on the stack that runs on CPUs and make the uh, make CPUs much more effective, right? So you can think even just on Linux, like how how much work is in Linux, just in operating uh, system servers, computers with with CPUs, right? Like like Linux is is can can manage resources, right? Can manage CPU system, uh, memory systems, you know, uh, disks, networking uh, in servers uh, on, on computers, right? So in terms of over operating system, there has been done so much work, right, on CPUs. It hasn't been done on GPUs. Now, the, the state where GPUs are today compared to where G CPUs are, right, CPU systems, that th there's a, a, an enormous distance Right. If you're thinking on the way of CPUs are being allocated today, CPU systems being managed and, and, and orchestrated, it's totally different than GPUs. Right. Think even on, on your on your laptop. Right. Even like a simple case like that, you have your uh, in your laptop, you have your uh, you know your your CPU cores, your uh, memory systems, you know the disk, 
uh, even networking, right? And you have your operating system that manages everything, right? If, whether it's your iOS or, uh, or Windows, right? You have your applications, they are running and they are sharing all the resources in your laptop, right? And the operating system manages everything and orchestrates everything. You don't even uh, aware of that, right? And now think about an AI infrastructure. Same thing, right? Same thing. You have a lot of compute, whether it's CPUs, GPUs, memory systems, right? Storage, networking. And you need like an operating system to manage everything. So right now you have Linux to orchestrate, right? Nodes, right? Like orchestrate systems in, in, in servers, in nodes. And now you have this amazing new technology, Kubernetes, that brings like operating system capabilities to clusters of nodes, right? Like container orchestration, that's what you get, right? You have Kubernetes orchestrating containers, sharing all the resources in your cluster between those containers, managing everything. So, so, so much work has been done in, in, in that sense, right? And orchestrating a workload running on, on CPU systems. With GPUs, it's, it's the, 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 the gaps are, are, are totally not there, right? So today, uh, the allocation, right, uh, of how, how GPUs are being orchestrated and allocated, it's very static and an exclusive way. We can get into the details there, but, you know, think about it, like, when GPUs are being allocated today to containers, to workloads, to processes, it's all it's static, static and exclusive, meaning when an application yep. starts to run on a GPU, that GPU is allocated to that container only, to that application, no matter if the application is using the GPU or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the GPU can stay idle for a long time because the application is not using the, the GPU and other applications cannot use the GPU. So things like that bring a lot of inefficiency and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of places where where all the orchestration, all the resource management is being done not effectively, right? Think like if if I compare it to CPU systems, think about your browser running on your laptop. It will take like CPU calls, and those CPU calls will only be allocated to that to your browser. Like no other application could use those CPU calls, so that won't be effective. So, you know, in in that sense, in the way. GPUs are orchestrated, allocated, and shared between applications, between containers, between workloads that are running in a full cluster. And today, it's really it's, it's done really ineffectively because a, a lot of software uh, layers are missing today. And we, we're coming in there, and we're bringing a lot of technology and a lot of software to that place. I think that this is such an interesting uh, way to think about GPUs because yeah. if you think about where we're at, I always like to place machine learning just for my own intellectual interest and to keep me happy at work, honestly, uh, in the context of broader technology shifts, right? And when you think about 5G, machine learning, GPUs, even things like crypto, the numerical intensiveness of everything, you know, big data workloads, data warehouses, everything, the numerical intensiveness is just continuing to, to, to increase, right? Um, I'm sure that you can say that in much more... Uh, scientific and precise terms, running, but you know the 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 data intensiveness, the the amount of compute, right? It just keeps going up, and you know you hear always about this this Moore's law sort of diminishing returns, right? Where CPUs and, yeah. and chips in general are not able to be engineered 
quite with as many as many low-hanging fruit advancements. Um, but you have this increase in, in compute needs. And so when you think about that, the fact that the hardware isn't necessarily getting better at a cheaper cost as easily, but the needs are growing more intensive, you need creative. That's where software plays a crucial role in mediating the demand and supply. And that's what you're talking about here, which is what the yes. vision for Run, for, for Run AI is. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you're seeing right now, right? You, you're absolutely right. For one hand, compute becomes very important, right? The, the, the need for compute only, only increases, right? We see it with all the amazing breakthroughs that are being done today in the NLP world, right? With yep. like training models on thousands of GPUs, on, you know, hundreds of, of TPUs, you know? So more compute allows you to process more data, to train bigger models, to solve more, com more complex problems. Um, with, with, with deep learning. So that's amazing. And, and that trend uh, happened in, in, the, in, the, you know, in recent years and, and, and it will continue probably, right? Then on the other hand, you have this more law uh, ending, right? And, and, and we see GPUs and, and specialized, specialized compute coming into the game, becoming more, more, more important, right? So, so application-specific mm -hmm. hardware chips that can that are more specialized to specific applications. We're seeing that uh, again and again, right? So GPUs, so it's not just about CPUs anymore, like the only compute. You're getting this specialized hardware. GPUs is one of them. You have your TPU, you know, all, all the big right. cloud providers are, are building their own uh, a new hardware. You know, Intel is, is building their own hardware, new hardware. So you're having those uh, hardware accelerators coming into the game and, and they need to play with CPUs, right? So you'll have CPUs, accelerators, and, and how, how you're using those accelerators, those new accelerators efficiently, and how do, do you make the best use of them? That's really, really difficult today. That's really, really difficult today. And, and yeah. I, I can see that. I also see this idea of the operating system for your machine learning infra is a nice way of, of visualizing it. And especially when you're allocating these different resources, how can you make sure that everything is one big family, your CPUs, your TPUs, your GPUs, they're all very harmonious and you're getting the most out of each one of them. What were you gonna say, Vishnu? I was just gonna say, you know, I have two thoughts here connecting back to previous episodes of ours, right? First off, last week we had on Brandon Dorsey who was, you know, awesome episode, go listen. But he was talking about the infrastructure sort of management his company does because they do a lot of browser-intensive machine learning. Um, but that really led to the point of saying, like, well, there are two companies in this world, two types of companies increasingly. Either you're a company that spends a lot of time managing infrastructure and you do a lot of custom work, or you don't spend any time. And when I'm hearing you talk about your vision for GPUs, I think it's really important to say, I don't think anybody, any company should be doing what you're offering them. Right. Nobody should be thinking about their <laughs> GPU management in the way that you're thinking about it, because it's so uh, it's so low level and so undifferentiated when it comes to a business model for a company like mine, but so powerful for to outsource to a managed service like yours. Uh, and the second thing is, is, you know, I think a lot of times like what we do on this podcast is talk about machine learning and ML ops from the view of companies of today where, you know, at most you have 
you know, high single digits, tens. Maybe if you're a Google, you'll have hundreds and thousands, whatever, right? The Googles and the Fangs, they're totally different. But really, we're moving to a world faster than we think where companies are going to all have hundreds of models running in the background, right? And that's why tools like this are so crucial because this is going to become a, you know, run-of-the-mill workload. You guys want to say that? Exactly. So, yeah. So, Heiss, you know, Heiss was mentioning it in the beginning, right? So we see problems, right? Uh, the, the things that we we discussed right now on, on you know, the effectiveness of, of how to use, right, the accelerators, GPUs. So we see it when companies approach to us and they have problems because they have hundreds of data scientists, you know, in some cases more than 1,000 data scientists doing machine learning. They are used to run, they are used to run their notebooks on CPUs now, like, how do I provide access to hundreds of data scientists uh, to, to, my, to GPUs, right, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an effective way, in a simple way, with, without causing them to deal with, with infrastructure hassles and, you know, staying effective with the, with the way they, they use GPUs? Now, it's continuing, right, when, 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 when they train, like do large scale training and they need to use a lot of GPUs to train models, like how do you do, do, you do that efficiently? And then it comes to inference also. Um, it's, not, it's always not about just deploying one model. Exactly. It's always about deploying, you know, multiple models and it, it's, it scales up really quickly, typically to, uh, to tens, hundreds of models. And how do I deploy all of those models on accelerators? And even not on accelerators, that's, that's difficult today. I would really love if you could walk us through what some of the engineering challenges were as you built Run AI and thought about, hey, how do I leverage Kubernetes, right? You guys love Kubernetes. It's a booming open source project with the mm -hmm. challenges of supporting future AI workloads, right? Like what are the engineering trade-offs requirements that you need to build towards? Can you talk us through maybe a story of a feature you had to release that was, you know, particularly challenging from an engineering standpoint? I know our listeners would love to learn more about the challenges of building around GPUs. Yeah. Um, I can mention two, two big challenges <laughs> that, uh, you know, we started with them. Um, one big challenge was relating to to just scheduling in kubernetes just you know scheduling in kubernetes it kubernetes was built on top of linux right and it it's the scheduling of in kubernetes really is makes a lot of use in 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 linux Right, the, like the, the you ha you get like scheduling layers, scheduling hierarchies in Kubernetes. So you have like the cluster scheduling, and and the the goal of the cluster scheduler is to take pods, containers, and bind them to nodes, schedule them to nodes. Uh, but then you know the the Linux scheduler takes that takes that and then schedules you know containers in inside of the node. So you have the scheduling hierarchies in Kubernetes that are built in, right? Cluster scheduling and then a node scheduler uh, uh, by Linux. And then you have that, that for in, in Kubernetes, but you know, when we examined the problem, we looked on other fields that are really uh, very similar to AI. Um, we looked on the HPC, 
field, high performance computing. HPC workloads are really, in a sense, really similar to AI workloads, it's like training workloads, but really compute intensive workloads that can run for a long time. Um, and you also have like experimentation phases there, or it's more like simulation simulation phases there. But we saw there, we saw what happens in the what happened in the HPC world. Like for more than a decade, uh, in the HPC world, the and schedulers, new schedulers were developed that were built without that uh, scheduling hierarchies, like cluster scheduling and Linux scheduling. So we saw that we we saw what's happening there, what's needed in the HPC world, and what has been done in the HPC world. We also saw what what happened in in uh, in machine learning in terms of Spark workloads in Yarn, Yarn scheduler running on Hadoop. We saw like machine learning in a sense, right? Yarn and Spark workloads. A lot of work has been done in Yarn. Amazing project there. So we really we took concepts from the HPC world and from Yarn and Hadoop in terms of what's needed to schedule. Um, training workloads, to schedule AI workloads, to allow a lot of data scientists share clusters and run their workloads, their compute-intensive workloads. So we saw that, you know, you don't want to limit your users to static quarters. You don't want to limit them to, uh, you get two GPUs, you get four GPUs, you get eight uh, GPUs. Now, that, that's not e efficient, that's not effective for the, for the researchers, right? They, they are like, it's, it's a limit, right? It's a hard limit. They cannot go above it. And, and you know, and, and, and sometimes researchers need just, you know, one GPU or, or no GPU. And sometimes they, they want to run big workloads on, on 20 GPUs or run uh, hyperparameter optimizations on, 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 a, on many GPUs. So, like, that flexibility of sometimes using a little bit of GPUs and sometimes using a lot of GPUs is really, really needed. So we took concepts from there, re really, and, and brought them to the world of, of Kubernetes. And we brought um, a concept called Guaranteed Quota. It's really, in, 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 it's really based on concept in, uh, in Yarn. They have a similar concept there. And so we brought Guaranteed Quota, the ability to use, to not be limited by hard quotas. Just, you know, if I'm a researcher, I can just run all my workloads and, and even use all the GPUs in my cluster. So guaranteed quota, fairness, things like that. So we really, we, we built a new scheduler to Kubernetes. <laughs> I'm going to the end, right? So nice. we saw that the Kubernetes scheduler doesn't fit. You cannot, you know, adapt the Kubernetes scheduler to, 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 to all that is needed. Uh, uh, to run AI workloads really effectively. So we've built a new scheduler and we've built it in a native way to Kubernetes. So it's like it's a, we, we have the, the software component, our scheduler that plugs into Kubernetes clusters um, and, and it can run on any Kubernetes flavor, right? It's really simple to run it. It's just, you know, a pod running in Kubernetes. And, but the workloads are then being scheduled uh, with our scheduler, together with the default schedule of Kubernetes, mm -hmm. it runs like that. So, that, you know, uh, we've built a scheduler that was really fun. We're still building it. It's really, you know, scheduling is complex. So that was fun. Um, also, fractional GPU, that was another uh, another really interesting uh, uh, feature that we bought. Like it was today you can, in Kubernetes, you can request for your workloads 
only integer number of, of GPUs. Mm -hmm. So I can have one GPU, two GPUs, four GPUs. And you have no way to request half of a GPU, a quarter of a GPU. And in the CPU world, you have it, right? In the CPU world, you can request half a CPU, right? Yeah. Uh, a quarter of a CPU. So that was also really challenging in Kubernetes because of those scheduling hi uh, hierarchies. And we brought that to the game as well, right? So we're, we're enabling fractional GPU, uh, right? The ability to run a container just on fractions of a GPU. And really relevant where researchers are just running their Jupyter notebooks and they don't need a full GPU. Or in inference workloads, it's really, really important, right? In inference, um, we can dive into that mo some more, but in inference, not always you need a full-blown GPU. Mm -hmm. um, usually you need much less than that. She is the queen of MLOps.org, and this is your daily dose of MLOps. Well, if you are that serious about the MLOps, you have to immerse yourself in the MLOps content. The best way to do it is to subscribe to the MLOps Community Podcast. All great people are here on this podcast. So good luck and keep learning. So there's something interesting as you explain how you developed this that I would like to dive into because it feels like you have so many different people that have their hands in the pie, per se, and you have these very low-level engineers that are working on some seriously <laughs> hard problems down here, and then right. you have the data scientists or the machine learning researchers or just the machine learning engineers that all have a say or they all you're building for them and you want to keep them in mind or they're also building the product with you. How did that come to be? What was that process like to make sure that the low level engineers are on the same page as the data scientists and everyone in between? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, we, when we started, it was really, really important for us to, to build a simple product, right? A simple product both for, for the users and the researchers, just in the simplest way for them to run their workloads, right? They don't want to deal with the infrastructure. They just want their workloads to run as fast as possible. Right and quickly, uh, so we we you know we brought advanced technology and we try to wrap it up to wrap it in a product in features that are really really simple for users to consume them. So both both the engineers, the researchers, but also the you know the the admins, the DevOps, uh, the MLOps guys that manages you know uh, 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 policies around how to you know how to share a cluster how to you know how to how to use the resources so also for them so it was really really uh, you know we worked really hard on that we invested a lot of thought on how to simplify things that's <laughs> that's really difficult in many times and also a, a never-ending process mm. oh, yeah. you can you can always tweak you can always make things better and i think that's 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 a that's a key emphasis we have when developing the product is let's make it simple and then the next step is okay let's make it simpler and let's mm -hmm. make it even simpler and like more and more abstraction means better like user experience 
And and it's it's all about the user because m maybe the data science teams they don't necessarily let's say buy the product, but they are the users. They are the ones adopting it. They are the ones driving usage. Mm -hmm. So you, those are the ones that you need to you need to care about. And of course, the ones managing the infrastructure. Um, but it's if if there's no adoption, then there's no usage. And so was yeah. there ever the thought of like how much power do I want to put into the data scientist's hands and how much should we keep for the others or for ourselves or maybe for the the SREs at the companies that the data, data scientists work at? Like, how do you look at that trade-off of, it, do you want everything to be in the hands of the data scientists? Do you want just a little bit? What does that look like? Yeah, so we wanted to bring as much freedom and as much, um, um, you know, uh, simplicity to the researchers, to the users. So that's part of what we're bringing, the ability to not being constrained to hard quarter, hard quarters, right? So you just run your workload, run them, use as much compute as you want if the system has compute, available compute, it will offer it to you, right? So, so you're, you're not limited. You can run as much as you can. And, and, you know, behind the scenes, you have people, you know, that need to, you know, to, 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 to manage and, 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 and to, 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 you know, to keep that everything works well, you know, everything orchestrated well and everything goes according to plan. There are no problems and everything, and every, everyone are enjoying, you know, the cluster and enjoying the, the computer resources. So you have someone behind the scene, an admin that, you know, that is responsible for that. But you as a user, you, you shouldn't be aware of that. You should have, you know, as, as like, uh, like in the cloud, right? You can consume as much as, as you want, right? Uh, yeah. And how do you look at uh, fail safes? Because I've heard some horror stories of some like $40,000 joins that have happened at some companies or things like that. Do you make sure to oh. let people know like, hey, what you're about to do might cost you a lot of money? <laughs> exactly. And we, for sure, for sure. That's, we're, we're helping with that, right? It's like if you're thinking about, um, an A, A100 server on Amazon, right? An A100 machine, it costs, uh, I think, $32 per hour, something like that, right? So you leave it open for a few days, days that's a, uh, that, can, uh, yeah. that can scale up really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it can hurt. Yeah. It can hurt, yeah. It can hurt. So, so, yeah, so we're providing ways for admins in that sense to see, like, to manage and, and see that, you know, people are not going above, too much above the budget that they can, uh, they can get, right? Mm -hmm. So then, then it comes to, you know, budget. You don't want to limit them too much, right? In terms of like, that's your budget and that's it. You cannot use more compute than, uh, than, uh, than above, your uh, above your budget. You don't want to do that, but you want to do have like a, a certain level where, where you're saying, okay, that, that was too much. Right, so we're providing ways of to do that as well. Yeah, there there always needs to be this fine balance between control and and and, and freedom within within platforms like this. 
I think one of the, the, the key elements which made me very interested in, in Run AI when, when I started looking at it uh, before I joined them is, is the fact that for the data scientists, again, for the data, it's a very hands-off approach because the scheduler, it's the, the fairness algorithm, the, the quotas, everything is in place to really make it a hands-off experience. The only thing they need to do is just fire up those jobs and based on the preset policies and priorities, you'll get your resources and your training gets done. Maybe it's at night because no one is using a Jupyter notebook and we can scale off those jobs into CPU memory and all of a sudden GPUs are, are available again and then it will finish at night. Um, so you can still have control while giving the data scientists all the amount of like virtually unlimited amount of GPU because the scheduler will take care of it. Um, and that's, that's part of what, like part of the limitations of like a regular Kubernetes cluster. It's like one queue, you can easily fool that queue by just firing off loads of jobs and always get your, your, your resources when you need it. So that's, that's where the fairness algorithm, that's where the scheduler, the, the multiple queues, that's where all of that comes into play. So yes, there's, there's a set of control, but still with that control in place, we still want data scientists to use it as much as they can, whenever they can. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's, that's on the research stage. And then, you know, when it comes to production, right, on taking trained models and move them to, to production then the problems are, are, are different. <laughs> you know, we s we're working with a company that they have more than 3,000 models that they need to deploy on GPUs. Mm -hmm. Right? So how do you do that? So it's, it's 3,000 models. It's every customer of theirs have something like their own model like or every group of, of, of customers have uh, multiple models and so you have 3,000 models they they need to run on GPUs but they are not being used all the time right they are being used only infrequently not always right like uh, if I'm yeah. uh, I'm a customer of that company so I'm you know, occasionally uh, uh, sending data and, and, and then the models need to, to run. So now the straightforward way is to deploy a model, one model on one GPU, right? So then you'll need like 3,000 models, uh, 3,000 GPUs, right? <laughs> and, yeah, and gets expensive get expensive and I'm not sure that you can even, you know, it will be really difficult for you to get it from your cloud provider, yeah. 3000 GPUs, right? So, and you can't really scale down always, scale down to zero your, your GPUs. Cause it's, if it's latency sensitive application, then, then it needs to be on. Yeah. Cause, cause it's really, you know, it, it, to spin up a GPU node in the cloud takes several minutes much more, it's, it's longer than spinning up a CPU node mm -hmm. in the cloud, really. It's like until the, the, the node comes up and, and you need to install the, all the GPU drivers and all of that, it takes like six, seven minutes to spin up a GPU node. Then when you spin up the server, your model server, 
it's again like a few seconds just a few seconds until your model is ready until you warm it up and it's ready to serve requests so in what we see is that scaling to zero is not always possible yeah. in many occasions with models so like using 3000 mod 3000 models on 3000 gpus always available that doesn't make sense right so you cannot run like one model per gpu that won't work for you so now how do you share models how do you run multiple models on a, on on just one gpu and you know there are techniques to do that right we can deep dive into that but really that subject is really really interesting for me right now because because uh, you know the, there's uh, there's multiple ways of you know running multiple models on a single gpu not all of them work well mm -hmm. but really that's that's a, a problem that's really interesting for me today right yeah, um, yeah talk to us about yeah, which so ones work well and which ones don't because that's probably interesting to hear about yeah i think uh, there, there's one approach is is to is to load multiple models to a single server like you have you you have your gpus you have your computer resources and then you you need like a serving mechanism right tensorflow serving or or torch serve and those are like serving mechanism that you can you load your model and they can re receive requests and you know run your model on that uh, and you can even run a pipelines of models nvidia came out with a triton so Triton really simplifies that that problem. They they allow you to host multiple models on the same server. So you, the ratio is changing now. You c it's not just one model per GPU. It's multiple models that can be hosted on on one GPU. So we saw that approach. Um, it can work well, but it's like the problem goes to a different different places like you, you're starting to orchestrate models when you're doing that like you're having you know tens of models being hosted in uh, in one server now you need to 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 orchestrate those models you have things like scaling up your uh, your servers you need to scale up your models instead of scaling up your servers you need to manage priorities between those models make sure that one model doesn't starve others you don't have color and, and problems with memory collisions between all of those uh, uh, models. So you're starting to orchestrate models. You're starting to orchestrate models, and you, you ha you're getting this problem of model orchestration. So KSERV, for example, it's really an amazing project that tries to solve that. They have this uh, new uh, um, K, um, um, model mesh, um, I think it's called model mesh project open source, which tries to, to deal with that you know, model orchestration problem. Anyhow, that's one approach. Uh, we, we're helping our customers to do to to you know to use that approach. We also allow them to to have another approach of just uh, deploying models not on a full GPU but on fractions of GPU. So you can deploy one model in one server and host it on you know on a on a on ten on a tenth of a GPU on a third of a GPU, right? So we 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 allow them to right size their models in terms of their compute consumption and does that so just uh, does it st 
stay. Yeah, so that's another approach. Does it stay like you were saying, like you never scale down to zero in that case because it's always there and you don't have that cold start problem? Yeah, so it's always there. So for one GPU that is, is up and running, you're hosting multiple models, right? So multiple models are ready, are warmed up, and, and are ready to receive requests. So now you can have those multiple models being hosted in one server, right? Like the server technology, right? The, the TensorFlow serving, or, you know, Triton enables that. But um, so you can do that. Another approach is to just deploy one model or a small number of models in one server and then right size the compute resources. Uh -huh. Just, you know, use fractions of a GPU instead of a whole GPU. So still, you get you have one GPU that you're paying for. It's up and running, and then you 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 have m uh, many models that are ready to receive requests using that GPU. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I want to so, change gears a little bit, uh, Ronan, and ask yeah. you about why you think it is there are so many machine learning startups right now coming out of Israel. Huh. In Israel? Okay. <laughs> I think more than anywhere else, uh, we've probably had more Israelis come on the podcast and they have their own startups or, uh, or they're in the community. And it's like between Israel and, and India, I would say. But I mean, of course, the US has a ton of startups too, but it feels like there's a, for the size of Israel, there is such a strong concentration of machine learning and MLOps com companies coming out of there. And I'm just wondering what your take on it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's an amazing question. So there are a lot of smart people in Israel. <laughs> that's the first really? thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we, a lot of people here in Israel like technology and um, whether it's machine learning or other stuff. Here in Israel, we're also strong very much in, in cyber, right? In cybersecurity. Also, a lot of companies here in Israel in cybersecurity, a lot of companies that are really, really successful. So I think it, you know, it, that's really, really deep why there are like so many good uh, startups, like technology startups here in Israel. I think, you know, we have the army. Maybe you heard about it. Like yeah. every person in Israel is being drafted to the army. <laughs> Everyone, mm -hmm. when, on the, when they are 18 years old, they are being drafted for, you know, usually to at least three years. And many people are going to serve in the intelligence uh -huh. units. And there is a lot of technology in the intelligence units, a lot of technology. Uh. So on the age of 18, those soldiers are going and doing amazing stuff with technology, amazing stuff. I see. They are getting like, amazing experience. They learn so much. They doing really crazy stuff. And then they go out of the army and usually they start, they start companies. Yeah. So my co-founder, my friend, you know, I've been in one of those units long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'm already 40 years old, <laughs> 41 years old already. So. So it was a long time for me ago. My co-founder, for example, he was in the army and, and he released and we started running AI. So many 
you know, young people are getting out of the army with amazing experience in technology, really amazing. They're doing, you know, cutting edge stuff, a lot with AI, a lot, a lot of things with AI, mm -hmm. a lot of things with AI and around cyber. So cyber and AI in the army, you know, uh, they're doing a lot of stuff there. So they're going out with amazing experience and they're starting companies and they're doing crazy, crazy stuff, really crazy stuff. So that's one thing. Also, the, the academia here in Israel is really good. I came from the academia. I've been in the academia for many years. So in the academia, you know, uh, um, we have amazing researchers that are doing amazing stuff in machine learning. Uh, you know, Mobileye came from Israel. Yeah. Mobileye was started by, uh, by Amnon Shashua. Amnon Shashua is a professor in, a professor in machine learning in, in one of the universities here in Israel. Like he was really famous in the machine learning ecosystem. Yeah. He started Mobileye. Um, and you know they they change the world of, of autonomous cars with uh, with machine learning. So also the academia is really strong here in Israel. That makes complete sense. I I love hearing that. I'm. It is a wild place. I hope to visit one day and uh, check it wow, out because yeah, that, there's so many. You, you need to, great things. You need to come to Tel Aviv, yeah. Demetrius. Wow, you enjoy wild. Tel Aviv. But uh, <laughs> guys that look like me have not the best history in Israel. They don't really make it out alive, especially when I undo my hair and I have the beard. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to yeah, joke about yeah. that one you, that you, I'll tell for another time. Uh, okay. But, but you, you'd be fine. <laughs> you'd be fine. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> there's one thing that I wanted to touch on before we finish off because I think that it, it's interesting to think about your vision for the future when you're looking at GPUs and especially when you're looking at Kubernetes and how Kubernetes is potentially going to advance. Do you see it going to be, be more GPU friendly or is it going to be easier to orchestrate GPUs uh, on Kubernetes? I know that there was a hot take that it's like Kubernetes is not really built for machine learning workloads right now. It's not the friendliest. Do you see it changing or do you feel like that is something, it's your job with Run AI, that's what you need to do. You don't see the, the community, the Kubernetes community going that way in any time soon. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So for sure, we're helping with that, right? So everyone that uh, everyone that who feels like that, then they need to try Run AI <laughs> for sure. It won't look the same. Um, so a cloud native, like I really, I'm a strong believer in cloud native technology, right? In Kubernetes and containers, like the entire world has, uh, the infrastructure world is shifting uh, to, to run on cloud native technologies, on Kubernetes. I love Kubernetes. It's a, an amazing, amazing framework, amazing technology, really. And I'm, you know, we time GPUs, will will become you know a, a, a first class citizen in kubernetes right now it's mostly cpu and memory that are you know first class citizens resource citizens in, in kubernetes uh, gpus will become more and more important with the with the, with the years it will be gpus you know and it's also changing you you have it's not just about gpus right we, we talked about it right specialized hardware you know and and applications that are really, really important in the cloud will have their own uh, hardware. You know, time, time, time will come, but uh, you know, uh, uh, applications that you have a lot of them in the cloud, 
um, you'll get like specialized hardware for them. Right now it's with AI workload, you're getting GPUs for them, right? So specialized hardware and cloud native, I really, really believe in that. It will come simpler and simpler. You know, in the CPU world, it has been done in the last 20, 30 years. So we have a, a long way to go. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of software that needs to be built. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I'm a strong believer, AI, cloud native, and, and GPUs, a lot of buzzwords, but, <laughs> you know, th those things are changing the world right now. Yeah, and sure. as far as, like, the future of AI accelerators and GPUs, where do you see that going? AI accelerators, so, yeah, um, you know, we see the trend, we spoke about that, more and more compute to process more and more data, to solve, uh, to build bigger models, to solve more complex models, more complex problems. Um, you know, I, let's see, let's see to where it can get, okay. right? So, uh, um, right, OpenAI trained models on how many, like thousands of GPUs? Yeah. Like 2,000 of GPUs, what, what was the recent year? Yeah, so let's see where it goes there. Um, you know, but specialized hardware, uh, models, models are, you know, all the algorithms need to be built better. The software layers needs to be built better. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to, to be done in, in the, the AI stack. Yeah. It's just starting. Pure optimization, really, is what it sounds like. So, last ones, I've got a lightning round for you. And I want to know, we'll go through, uh, we'll go like one in one, maybe. We'll start with you, Ronan. What was the last book you read? Oh, the hard thing is, uh, the hard thing about hard, how about hard things, right? So the classic, yeah. right? I started running AI and then I read it. And then, and then since then I'm reading so much. I'm reading a lot. You don't, like, I'm reading, like, I, I realize that reading is so, so, so important. Uh, you know, these days I'm reading, uh, I'm reading online mm -hmm. on everything, you know. But uh, the book that I really, really remember, the hard thing about how things really, it was amazing for me. When I started running, I wrote that, I, I read that book. Ben Horvitz wrote it. Uh, it was amazing for me to read it. Really, really, it was, it had a lot of impact yeah. on me. Incredible one about culture and how to run companies. All right, next up, what was the last bug you smashed me personally yeah. have you or now Man. ctos don't smash bugs they just tell <laughs> other people to smash them yeah <laughs> yeah um, i wish i could smash more bugs but yeah um <laughs> all right then um yeah. i got one more which is how do you want to be remembered oh yeah <laughs> That's serious stuff, Demetrius. That's not simple. <laughs> How would I want to remember? <laughs> I, I don't know. I want to leave an impact on this world, right? Mm. So I want to have impact, you know. L let's see, like, wh what would be the size of my impact. But I want to have, like, the largest impact I can. All right. And now we turn to you. <laughs> <laughs> what piece of technology are you bullish on that might surprise people? That's me, yeah. right? That's me, yeah. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm a nerd. 
I'm a geek. I I mean the amount of impulse gadget stuff I I buy is insane. So I I can tell you what I'm really passionate yeah, about. And that's that's home automation. Oh, trust nice. me, it drives my girlfriend nuts. But like, the amount of automation and and crazy things you can do with that, like I use AI even. All right, right? I I Tell use us. computer vision what, to yeah, recognize cats on my driveway, oh. and flash a light as soon as that happens. It's I just I'm I'm I I think I'm very bullish right now on on home automation and making life easier at home and and doing cool stuff with it. All right. And sometimes stupid stuff. Yeah. Well, I've always watched the YouTube videos on that and I never thought I've never or I should rephrase this. I've yet to see anything that makes me think, "Oh my god, I got to go out and buy that. It's going to change my life." What have you put into your house? That you're like, this one is worth all the money. Oh, I that's my video doorbell because I, I work from the attic uh -huh. and I work from home and I have kids and I have a lot of neighborhood kids. And when they're not at home, they ring the doorbell like 17 times. Now I just watch it. Oh, okay, I don't have to answer that one. Save me uh, one. It saved me a lot of steps. It also limited me in uh, in physical movement. Yeah. But that was like the thing that I love that thing. Oh, awesome. All right, Mr. Marketer, what was the last piece of ML tooling or ML ops marketing that made you roll your eyes? Ooh. Um, it could be something that your like, team tried to get you to put out too. <laughs> Don't feel like you need to. No, I, I, I think that the last, the last time, it's, it's, it's typically, and now that I'm closer to artificial intelligence, machine learning, and those kind of things, I, I tend to roll my eyes a lot of times in the tech industry where they say we use artificial intelligence to solve this issue where honestly it's not um and it's and and that happens a lot of times mm -hmm. and, and ac ac across the tech industry because like like ronin just mentions like buzzwords yeah um so that's when I roll my eyes most of the time, especially now that I'm closer to AI and closer to ML. I came from a different world. I came from a data protection world where I had I blocked many attempts to mix machine learning and artificial intelligence into the messaging where I said, ah, we can't do that. Um, I, I think more people should take a step back and look at it and think, ah, we can't really say that. Fellas. This has been an excellent conversation. I thank you so much for coming on here and enlightening me to really the GPUs, the GPU paradigm, we could call it. Maybe that's a strong word and using Kubernetes to orchestrate things, but Kubernetes and GPUs, where the hangups are, so many good points. I wore my run shirt. It's not run AI, but it is run uh, Nashville. And I wanted in memory of you thanks again for coming on here doing this thanks for all your support in the community it's awesome having you all around and we just put out a blog post too so if anyone would like to check out the blog post that we wrote it's been getting all kinds of attention uh today in slack 
feel free to go to the MLOps community blog and you'll see it there. And that is it. We'll see you all later. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us, Demetrius. That's fun.